Welcome to the Everyday Advocate Podcast, where we sit down and talk about empowered leadership and healthy relationships as we work in the field of human trafficking and how you can grow as a mentor and leader wherever you are today. This episode talks about human trafficking and shares details that are for mature audiences. Please be advised. Audrey, what a fun conversation we just had with Darlene. Such a good, just thorough, fun, calming conversation. I, I feel like we could have sat and talked to her for hours, which actually... Actually, I did. <laughs> you did, after we turned the recording off. Yeah. She is just a wealth of knowledge, and her presence is so calming, and her, she just has such wisdom So to much share. wisdom, mm-hmm. and just like, she's just in step with the spirit, and just can speak so much truth and love mm-hmm. over people, mm-hmm. and it's just... I just need her by my side all the time. Mm -hmm. That combined with all of her experience. I mean, she worked for the Department of Homeland Security as a special agent for 33 years. She was a founding member of our task force here in Indiana. She's retired from Homeland Security, and now she's a consultant with the Department of Justice as a task force liaison. She's got her hands in so much, so many good things, and she's a force for good in the anti-trafficking movement and in our state. Yeah. And... As you'll tell when you listen to this conversation, there's so many rabbit trails that we went down and they were all really good, kind of off topic and on topic both. And it just was a delightful conversation. Yeah. And it's like only scratching the surface of like getting Darlene Bradley, you know, we're getting just a little bit of her. Mm -hmm. It's so encouraging just to sit with her and hear her experience in the anti-trafficking field. And just even I learned more about her her like one-off projects that she's got mm-hmm. going on. She started, you know, she'll, she'll, we'll let her share that mm-hmm. later in the podcast, but you know, the, the only other things that she's doing, she's just a busybody, and mm-hmm. I love it because mm-hmm. she's at the same time, very calming, which mm-hmm. I feel like doesn't usually go together as being, you know, busy and, you know, she's not chaos, but just calming. So I love mm-hmm. it. Well, welcome back to the Everyday Advocate Podcast. I'm Audrey Hood, and I'm here with Jessica Evans. And we are starting a new series called We Are Daring to Lead. And really, we're just going to be talking about leadership. We, a couple years ago now, I think it was, we read the book Dare to Lead by Brené Brown. Big Brené Brown fans over here. We've probably already mentioned that on the podcast one or two times, but we did that as a team and there were some big takeaways that we had kind of really pulled from the book and we have sat with, wrestled with and implemented into our workplace. And so we want to just share those things. So some of those things over the next couple of weeks are going to be building trust within your team, uh, rumbling well, which just really is handling conflict within your team, taking risks and having courage. And in today's episode, we are talking about vulnerability and leadership. And we have a very special guest with us, Darlene mm-hmm. Bradley. And we brought Miss Darlene on the podcast because she's just been an inspiring leader, especially to me and in her field. And I know I'm going to leave encouraged today because every time I sit down with Darlene, I walk away inspired and encouraged. So we hope that you all listening today are inspired to lead with vulnerability in your everyday relationships as well. So Miss Darlene, we want to know though, before we jump into all the questions about vulnerability, what has been encouraging you lately? Well, good afternoon, ladies, <laughs> and thank you for having me on your awesome show. And if I were to say anything about what is inspiring me lately, 
are encouraging me lately, it would have to be the kindness of individuals mm-hmm. that you just don't know. Mm-hmm. The kindness of strangers, the kindness of someone letting you go in front of them when the light is green and they be, they could very well <laughs> go in front of you and leave you stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. So that's encouraging me. The that kindness so of others. Mm-hmm. Of others. We all could use a little more kindness too. Absolutely. And the discipline to look for it. And yes. notice it Ooh, yeah. and make it, you know, yes. kind of settle into you instead of looking for the other things. I feel like I'm guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. I notice and look for the things that are going bad. But when you're looking for the good and looking for the kindness, that sticks out more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And acknowledge that kindness mm-hmm. if you can. Give a little wave. A yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, a, like, a, like the good honk, not like a mean honk. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's Absolutely. Like, I sometimes don't like the honking on the on the cars because it feels like they're always aggressive yes, but sometimes yes. they're just like you're just wanting to give them a little too yes. you know like, hey thank you yes. <laughs> and finally pay it forward mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. don't when, forget to do that and pay sh- it someone forward. shows you kindness show some kindness mm-hmm. to someone else yeah. absolutely so good. i feel like you must that must be a mantra that you tell yourself a lot because i see you paying it forward <laughs> in the work that you're doing Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I've had a lot of kind people that have helped me along the way and not so kind. So Mm -hmm. you remember the good and Mm -hmm. you also remember the bad because when you remember the bad, you remember that's not how I'm going to do it Mm -hmm. or that's not what I'm going to do. So you always remember that. Mm -hmm. I love sitting across the table from you. I'm excited for this conversation. (laughs) I am too, because I learned from you ladies also. Yeah. We, we've loved having you around our organization for many years, and yes. you've spoken a lot of wisdom and given us a lot of encouragement over the years, and so we're excited to have you on here to talk in one specific aspect. There are a lot of, we were like, we knew we wanted Darlene on our podcast because there's so many things you could talk about, but we have one kind of avenue that we want to go down today. So you have been a trailblazer in many ways in the sector of human trafficking, so you have a lot of expertise and knowledge. You've done a lot of important work. But through that work, you know, you've entered into this field and your path has kind of unfolded Mm -hmm. in a unique way because of who you are. (laughs) And so I wanted to ask first and, you know, kind of talk to us about what your journey has been like in the field of human trafficking. But how have you made the biggest impact in the field of human trafficking? And what has made the biggest impact on you during mm-hmm. this work? Because I don't want to not talk about the human trafficking, because that's a big piece of it. And we'll get Absolutely. into the leadership stuff here in just a minute. But kind of walk us through your timeline in the field. What, what do you feel like is the biggest impact? And then what's had the biggest impact on you? To walk you through the timeline of my career, I'd have to say I would have to start with an organization that is now defunct, U.S. Customs Service, and mm-hmm. being in college and being a cooperative education student and getting a job with the government. And then after 9-11, the government saw fit that that immigration naturalization and U.S. Customs Service duties overlap. So they merged Mm -hmm. 22 federal agencies up under one umbrella, Department of Homeland Security. Now, mind you, when I was working with U.S. Customs Service, I was working with things, export enforcement, things coming into the United States, things going out of the United States, tariffs, embargoes, duties, you know, all of that. That was very important for me to know my job. I even, the government even sent me to condensed import specialist school, just so I would know all the nuances, all the facets of U.S. Customs Service. Then after 9-11, we became Department of Homeland Security. 
2002, 2003, um, my managers are telling me, the higher level managers are telling me, we want you to know about human trafficking, mm-hmm. sex trafficking and labor trafficking. So they sent me to so many. And believe me, at first, I was not interested in it because I thought, that's horrible. It's mm-hmm. terrible. You know, but then again, I said, if not me, who? Mm-hmm. Because there were only two or three other women in the office. And I I was always one of those individuals. I always wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. I always tried to, to do something more. And, you know, we as women, a lot of us, we always do more <laughs> than the average person. That'll preach. <laughs> you know, think about it. Think about us being corporate bosses. Mm-hmm. Think about us being mothers. And then some of us are raising our grandchildren. Some of us are, you know, going back to work for a second career you know all of that so these are things that we're just indoctrinated to do Mm -hmm. this is just who we are so working with human trafficking and sex trafficking and labor trafficking it was very different I had to understand it and one word I wanted to use throughout and I'll use this throughout our conversation today is intentional Mm -hmm. being intentional in my work Mm -hmm. trying to understand you know, and not just not just having the view of this is my job and I'm going to do it, but do it, but be intentional about doing it. Mm-hmm. So that was real interesting. So, and the government, the one thing I say about the government, they want you to be trained. I means all throughout my career. You know, when I was transitioning from Homeland Security, and I was work, I ended up working for. I'm working now for Department of Justice Office of Victims of Crime. I'm one of their consultants, and we can get into that at a later time frame. I had to sit down and put on paper all the trainings that I had during the course of my job or during the course of my job as a special agent. And I began to look at all the trainings and so many of them were centered. So many of that training was focused in on victims of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And not only did the government do me a great service of allowing me to have the training, they also sent me training so I could wear a different hat. Mm -hmm. And that different hat was being a victim service advocate. Mm -hmm. Because I was in the Indianapolis office and we did not have a person that could be ready on the spot to handle victims. So I had to be trained and that meant filling out continued presence, visas for them, working with the T visas is working, and as well as getting them from one place to another place in in lieu of them being in danger. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, I had an awesome career. I always like to say I thoroughly enjoyed my 33 years, nine months, and 10 days (laughs) with the U.S. government. But you weren't counting, obviously. No, no, no. I love, though, that in your story of your career, just like the thread (laughs) Just that's just kind of like kind of weaved all throughout your career, kind of always putting you in spaces where trafficking was happening and opportunities to advocate, opportunities to learn, opportunities to teach. I think that like thread throughout all that is so evident in who I know you to be now because I didn't know you then. And so it's cool kind of here (laughs) to hear that kind of played back a little bit from your perspective of your career. Yes, yes, yes. And another word, and I don't know if I mentioned this, kindness. Mm kindness show up with kindness and be intentional yeah be intentional in everything you do yes yes i think too that speaks to how you view human trafficking and i'm not trying to put words in your mouth i'm trying to draw (laughs) i think this is what you're one of the things you're going for is in your victim service 
kind of role seeing them as humans, like the kindness, oh, yes. right? Yes. Not just I'm doing my job, I'm trying to get the numbers down, or I'm trying to, but no. seeing them as individuals. I mean, every time I'm with you, I feel like yeah. you look at me in my eyes. I feel yes. very seen by you. <laughs> yes. I always feel loved by you when I'm with you in the room. And so I can imagine for a victim of human trafficking, working with you would be a joy because they would be seen as a human with dignity. So that, I don't know. That's kind of off Thank path, you. But no, I do thank you, Jessica. Like, yeah. No, that is so true and very accurate, very mm-hmm. correct for a lot of reasons. And just as you were talking, I was thinking about how, and I knew, I knew this was God doing something for me. I remember right after I had retired and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. So I took some time. I didn't want to, but I took some time. And I remember even my husband, he bought me a set of golf clubs and he they're still in the garage by this way. <laughs> I have yet to have one lesson. And I remember I went into Walmart of all places and I saw a former victim. Oh my goodness. And I say victim. I wish I could say survivor because she's not there yet. Mm. And she remembered me, and she remembered the things that I said to her, how I helped her. Mm. And we have been in touch ever since wow. then. Wow, wow. Yes. So you made an impression on her. Yes. She remembered you. And yes. it does take not only the kindness, but that intentionality that mm. you're like referring to, because it, it's easy to maybe maybe not easy maybe that's not the right word but like you can kind of flippantly like offer some kindness to people but it kind of rolls off and you're like oh that was nice and then you forget about it but like to intentionally be kind over and over Mm -hmm. I feel like the intentionality piece of it is just like investing them what Jessica was saying like seeing them as a human seeing them Mm -hmm. as a person a whole person not just a you know product of their circumstances or you know what's happened to them so she played a pivotal role for me because she was one of one of the victims that we first helped in one of the major cases Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. in the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. And I say that because she did not get the assistance or the help Mm -hmm. or the services that she needed. Mm -hmm. And it was in the early days, Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of things we just didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I have this saying for me, this is another saying, (laughs) I might make a mistake once, but I'll never make that mistake again. Never. So even at this stage, and this was, you know, like 2017, 2018, and so she is still, she still is struggling. Mm -hmm. Because my, one of the, and another thing I like to say is, yes, you start out as a victim, but then you become a survivor. And as a survivor, you thrive. Mm -hmm. You thrive. No longer, and I don't see that. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. don't see it with her yet. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about some of the other ways you've made an impact okay. throughout your career. One being, you've certainly had different roles you've already <laughs> talked about, but certainly different leadership roles too. And those have required probably courage mm-hmm. <laughs> and also vulnerability. So we said so we're going to talk today a little bit about vulnerability that's so intimately connected with courage and we need both of those things to be in leadership. So I want you to kind of talk about the different leadership roles that you've had and how those have required both vulnerability and courage for you. Okay. So we're going to get into my career as a special agent, my career as a criminal investigator. When we know that in a room of 20 people, one or two will be women. Mm -hmm. 
one or two will be in the office. And so there were two in my office. And that's not inclusive of the support staff, our administrative staff. That's the criminal investigators, the special agent was one. One was in a managerial role. And I think she was just just existing almost <laughs> and I was trying to make my career more for me I was trying to yeah. as I say I was making it work for yeah. me yeah. Uh -huh. I was raising my hand for all kind of opportunities yeah. I was taking on roles that nobody else wanted to do and so be it. And guess what? I learned a lot from that. Yeah. So I remember there were, so anytime we had a hotline, so anytime anybody would, would call in the hotline with a tip or, and this was separate from the National Trafficking Human Hotline, we had our own hotline. Mm -hmm. So the, if, if, they, if someone uttered, an individual on the, other line, on the other part of the, the conversation would utter anything about sex trafficking or labor trafficking, the agent, mind you, being a male agent mm -hmm. would stop them uh, I'm not the person you need to talk to. I'll refer you to that individual. Nine times out of ten, that would be me. Mm -hmm. So I would take the call, and then they would begin to tell me what they needed or what assistance they needed, and I would try to help them. I say that to say that, so then here I am. We were doing search warrants. We were doing arrest warrants. And so I was gathering up resources. I was gathering up individuals to help us, our men in the office, and they're sitting there looking at me. Some of them were looking at me. Do we really have to do this? Mm. Do I really have to go out on this with you? And so I would have to be very professional, mm -hmm. very kind, mm -hmm. and intentional in what I needed them to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, what's that old saying? You can get more accomplished with sweet and kind words than a sour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times I would say, I really need your help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, if I didn't need your help, I wouldn't ask you. Yeah. I really need your help on this. Yeah. Or I knew some of them did not believe. Some people still don't believe that human trafficking exists mm -hmm. in the fashion that yeah. it does. And that... It's, it's among us, you know, mm -hmm. some of them just don't believe it, whether it's in the United States, whether it's, you know, international, some of them just don't believe it yeah. because they'd rather be doing other things. Right. And yeah, this is a you, crime. If you don't think about it existing, then you don't have to pay attention. You don't right. have to do anything about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And this yeah. is a crime that only women should be handling mm -hmm. for the most part. Not all of them feel that way. I don't want to yeah. drag all of them <laughs> yeah, under the bus. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know, right. but there were some that yeah. you had to kind of like, mm. will you please help me? Yeah. So, and then you had to make like, don't worry about the report. I'll do the report. Just, I need your body. I need your, I right. need your manpower mm -hmm. or woman power out there. Yeah. So, and yeah. sometimes that, you didn't always feel so good about that mm -hmm. because when they had something going on, if they asked me, I was there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because you're trying to work into a cohesive, mm -hmm. collaborative group of individuals yeah. that you want to get along with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, and let's not even talk about the times when I had to, when I was acting in the office and I would give somebody a task and they would say, no, we're not doing it that way. <laughs> or a time when I was going out on something that I needed another body. And a couple of, I called one of the guys and he goes, oh, we're going out for drinks. And I said, okay. I said, I'll call so-and-so. I'm the duty. We had duty agents. Oh, no, he's going with me.
So what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? What do you do, Darlene? (laughs) Because I I feel like asking for help in general also is so vulnerable. Like you're putting yourself out there of like, I can't do this alone. (laughs) I know that it needs to be done. I'm trying to convince you that this even needs to be done. Exactly. And yet I still need you to be there. So like that just takes so much courage. It's putting yourself in this like lowly state but you're also at the same time trying to kind of rally people mm-hmm. rally uh, the truth, to the call. As they yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. And for so, the call. yeah, that's, yeah, that's hard. But yeah, what, what do you I, do? I, <laughs> Teach try, us. I try not to think about it and I would just do it. Mm. So, and then there's always going to be somebody, God's always going to put somebody in the ram in the bush yeah. for you. He, mm-hmm. he really is. And if that's, so if I'm traveling down South or up North and I've, I've got to go and interview somebody, there's somebody on duty that would be willing to help me. There's a sheriff. Mm-hmm. There's a deputy. There's somebody that's going to be willing to help me mm-hmm. in those podunk town yeah. counties <laughs> that you have to travel to. Yeah. And law, there is the mindset of law enforcement. We will help one another. Mm-hmm. So I did encounter that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's I can't encouraging. say. Yes. yes it was encouraging. very encouraging. Yeah. Yes. So at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and I've got to go to Goshen, Indiana, and everybody else in my office is busy, and I'm I'm throwing up these yeah. quotes. Yeah, <laughs> busy. <They're> busy. <laughs> yes, I can always find somebody yeah. in that town. One of the things you said too that I wanted to bring back up is that you said you know when it was your turn to help, you always tried to be available. Mm-hmm. So I think pro- you know another piece of that in leadership is leading by example. Exactly. And so if you wanted people to raise their hand, yes, I'll help you. Probably if you've been in the position where you have raised your hand to help them before, it makes it a little bit easier yes, to, absolutely. Um, to then you yes. know, step in and help. And Jess, one of the things, and you, you probably know this, is that as leaders, you will make a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> plenty. And you want to say, guess what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We should have done it the other way. You know, and like I said, I always, if I make a mistake one time, it will not happen again. I always make sure of that. I try to make sure of that, mm-hmm. you know, and being vulnerable as a leader. We, we keep talking about that, mm-hmm. making sure people understand. And this is another thing I would say, you know, you're the best at doing this. I really, I'm not, I can't really do it like you do it. Please mm-hmm. come along and help me yeah. and do it. Yeah. I need your expertise in this. Yeah, calling some other people up. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So that helps. That does help. Talk about how that plays into building a team. So if mm. you're the leader of a group of people, how does vulnerability, kind of what we just talked about, building others up, can you talk about how that bleeds into the team? Yes. Well, you're letting the team know, first and foremost, you're human mm. and that you don't come in with all the answers. And guess what? You're on my team because you have some answers that I need. Mm -hmm. And the communication is essential. It is key to getting things done because no man is an island. No woman is an island. You can't do it all by yourself. You've got to pull your resources. You've got to gather in individuals that can possibly do it better than you. And you've got to own that. You've got to own that and say, Mm -hmm. I can't do that. But guess what? You can. Yeah. So do it for me, please. Yeah. You know. That was one of the big learning pieces for me and even acknowledging that I am a leader. I had a lot of unlearning to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when Allies first started, there were people that came to me and they were like, you know, you're the leader of this. And I would deny it. I'm like, well, I'm not a good public speaker. I'm not dynamic. I don't have 
all the knowledge I don't have. And they were like, that's exactly why Mm -hmm. you should be leading. Why God's called you to lead this because you are good at gathering a team of people that are good. Because that's what I was good at doing. Mm -hmm. I was good at calling people like Melissa Thompson. Okay, you're good at this. And, you know, like by people by name, like I see this in you, please, Mm -hmm. we need you to join our team. And in doing that, I was gathering and empowering other people and making sure all the things were getting done, even if I wasn't the one that was doing it all, which I have learned is a really, are the qualities of a good leader. But back then I did not know that. And so I kept saying, well, I'm not a leader. I shouldn't be the one doing this. Right. (laughs) So it was a learning curve that I had to go through over the last decade. But now I admire and respect people and leadership positions that are lifting other people up instead of trying to be the front man and the one doing it all. Absolutely. And so I think I think there's just a big difference even in how, and I, doing some reflection, I'm like, I don't know where I got that. Where did I get that? <laughs> was it because I was in places where there were dominant men leading all the time? Or, you know, what was it that made me think, oh, you're not a leader just because you're not X, Y, Z. But praise the Lord, he's done a lot of good work in me. And, you know, I've Absolutely. since done a lot of learning. But I think that is... You know, even thinking about the workplace, people not believing in themselves as leaders because they don't have certain characteristics. So I still think I'm like sitting here and I sometimes think like, shouldn't someone else be leading this organization? <laughs> like not like not to but like point it out as you, like you, I'm very thankful that you're here. But even in my position as a leader within allies, I'm like, who, who can I look to? Let's like, shouldn't there be somebody else pulling the data, like telling us what to do? But like, yeah. then Je- Jess and I look at each other across the table and we're like, oh wait, no, this is our decision to make. Absolutely. Like we need to have this conversation together because at the end of the day, it's, it's the two of us, yeah. you know, making some of those decisions. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, that, that's, that's good to hear too. Just mm-hmm. I, you both, the, the quality that I'm hearing from both of you is that calling out the qualities in other people yes. and telling them what they're good at and affirming that and speaking that life into them to say like, no, this is what you're good at. Like, so I need you to do this thing because mm-hmm. I can't do that. And I might try because I want it to get done. I wanted to see it be done well, but taking that like step back to say, I'm going to release control of this because I know, and I trust that you can do it, but that takes vulnerability too. Cause mm-hmm. you're putting a lot of faith in somebody else to get a job done. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're all human, right? So yes. we don't always do it perfectly. Yes. So. And Jess, you said something that struck a chord with me, a positive chord, of course, <laughs> was empowerment. Yeah. You mm-hmm. talked about empower. Because you want to empower the people that are around you, mm-hmm. not only because they will do a good job for you, but it's something for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It helps them because then they can go on and do greater and bigger things, even within the organization or outside of the organization. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yeah. And we need to remember that. And I wanted to also say, I said, be intentional, but be intentional with truth. Oh. Truth. Yeah. And sometimes we don't always get that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't. And so that's important. Be intentional with the truth, you know. And you don't want to hurt because, you know, the old saying, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's how you say it. (laughs) My mom still says that to me. I know. (laughs) A lot of them do. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Being intentional with truth. Mm -hmm. So if you have a great team member, but there's a part of them that's not so great. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to lose the greatness that you utilize, but there's some other things that they need to be built up on. Mm-hmm. There's a way that you have to bring them in mm-hmm. 
You know, and one thing is I've learned, and I, I, this was like such compliment to me. I remember, and, and you know, when you're in an office and men gossip just, <laughs> oh my gosh, they gossip a lot too. And so they had come into my office and we were all talking and there was an issue with one of the upper level managers. And I knew what the issue was. And they were all asking, darling, they called me Dar. Dar, you know what it is. Dar, tell us, Dar, tell And then one, of the, I will never forget, one of the agents spoke up. He said, even if Darlene knows it, she's not going to speak it. Mm-hmm. So he knew because I was not I was not there to gossip. I was not yeah. I was there to do a job, yeah. you know. And that was so. And what? And they all just kind of walked out because they knew they knew your character. Yes, they knew who you were. exactly. The integrity of, exactly. Of your, yeah. That's, and that's yeah. important. So, and I was saying that to make sure that the individuals that come to you, the individuals that serve with you, serve alongside of you, that they can trust you. Mm-hmm. They can trust you with issues of complex nature, mm-hmm. whether it's personal or whether it's within the organization that they can trust you. Because there was another female manager within, within our organization and you could not trust her. Mm-hmm. You could not trust her. And she was leading individuals, and they would come in. She knew about things, and she was telling me. So I was like, if she's telling me, she's telling everybody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important. We're going to do a whole episode on building trust, but I'm so glad that you, because it's all interconnected. You can't Absolutely. isolate any of these things. But what have you seen? And this is off the script, so mm-hmm. I apologize for throwing no, a new question no, at you. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what have you seen works with building trust? Like how... What was the difference for you and this other woman that people knew that they could trust you? I have a relationship with God. Mm. And I did not want to disappoint God. Mm. Because these were his people. Mm -hmm. And people have faults. They falter. They have issues. They have substance abuse problems. They have marital problems. They have problems with gender identity. And if they can't come to you and unburden that, even if you just need to say, I have you, I hear you, Mm -hmm. then what good are you for God? Mm -hmm. So they saw the fruit of that. Yes. Creating that space. Yes. Creating a safe space. Absolutely. That's really good. You know, and letting your nay be nay and your yay be yay. Mm -hmm. And being honest and truthful with them. Once again, that word, being intentional with the truth. Yeah, with the truth. With the truth. No matter how bad it is, with the truth. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know about that. Let me think on this. I'll get back to you. You don't have to have all the answers. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another thing I heard you saying, too, is that, like, you're part of leading. And I think this really is a vulnerable aspect of leadership, but is calling out in that truth, being intentional with truth to equip people. So you're not just empowering Mm. them to step into their full potential, but like equipping them where you see them misstepping so they can then become leaders Mm -hmm. themselves in their space. And maybe one day, you know, lead their own thing out, you know, or, or, you know, step out, you know, somewhere else, you never know where their journey is going to take them. So we have that that responsibility to, to lead well and and encourage them and equip them in that way too. Because you care about them. Because you care about them. And you want to see growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you want to see growth. I know that you can say, Jess, that from the moment and to up to now that you started Allies, you've grown. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> and 
you've seen your close compadres around you. Mm-hmm. You've seen the growth in them. Yeah, absolutely. And how do they handle situations mm-hmm. and how they deal with sometimes even everyday life, mm-hmm. the growth. Yeah. You know, yeah. we are not what we were. No, thank goodness. I, I, I credit a lot of the my like perfect personal and professional growth to this space that Allies is and what Jess has created mm-hmm. here. Because I don't, if I had not been given the opportunity to fail and test things and try things, you know, my own way, and her to give say, sure, run with it, go for <laughs> it, calculate that growth projection, <laughs> do whatever. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try. You know, so she encouraged me with that like freedom of that the gentle kind of hand holding, you know, or like along the back, you know, to say like just go do it, you know, N- not trying to hold me back, but just saying yeah, you can, you know. So you I feel can. like even I, myself, this space, I, I look different as a leader today because of because of Jess's leadership really so that's an awesome yeah. compliment it yeah is. thanks Jess I love you <laughs> love you right back <laughs> I'm also just curious I don't know that we like touched on this a ton but you guys can, I'm gonna interview both of you now <laughs> I feel like you guys are both sitting across from me now because the sun is like shifting yeah. in the room yeah. and yeah. so I feel like Let's I'm just that. interviewing both of you now but either of you can answer this if you want but I'm interested to know so you both didn't just wake up one day and you're like I'm gonna lead with vulnerability <laughs> but do either of you have a specific story of when you were led by vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Is someone that modeled it for you that has encouraged you to now model it for others and be that for others? Jess, yeah. I'll defer that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've stumped you both. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is the first person that came to mind. I'm just going with it. I'm going to just go with it. But I remember one of my... This is Maybe I'm thinking about this because it was back when allies what used to be called Purchase, was starting. Mm-hmm. One of my small group leaders was Julie Briley. Did you ever know Bill and Julie Briley? Mm-hmm. They were part of the very first like concert we put on, and they were my house church leaders at the time. And I remember Julie in particular. She's just one of the sweetest, most dear people. And you, similar to you, Darlene, mm. when you left her, you know you had been seen, you had been encouraged and affirmed. And she was very good at just speaking affirmation over people. She was really good at making you feel comfortable and lifting others up. Like mm-hmm. you just, when you left her, you knew who you were mm-hmm. and you just felt centered almost. And I remember thinking, I was really glad that she in particular was a part of those first little gatherings we had mm-hmm. as an organization. She was one of the people who I was like, you would do a much better job leading this group than me, her and her husband both. But they but they did such a good job deferring to me and empowering me and mm-hmm. saying, no, Jess, like this is the call on your life. And we, even though we could do it, we see it in you and we want you to be the one to do it. I'm almost getting teary thinking about it, but mm. that had a profound impact on me because they believed in me when Absolutely. I didn't believe in myself. And so that started that culture of, you know, I might not have thought that I you know, was the one or had the skills to do it, but they spoke it into me and Julie in particular. And so I feel like that is almost the start yeah. of like how that, I love it was that. I did not know that home. story. So thank yeah. you, Julie and Bill. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Shout out to them. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Without them speaking that life into you, who knows where we would be. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I might not be the leader that I am today if they hadn't done that to you it's and true. you created yeah. it for me. So. Cool. Okay. So I have a little story. Yeah. Just a little story. Just a little story. <laughs> so I was getting ready to graduate from college and 
they hadn't, the government had not yet offered me a job. And I remember I had an interview with the special agent in charge, and this was in Chicago. And I had to go into his office. And I remember I had this big speech prepared and what I was going to say. And of course, I was very nervous and I was dressed. I had my, back then we wore a lot of suits and skirts <laughs> and, and heels. And I had my white blouse and, and I was sitting there very prim and proper. And he asked me a couple of questions. And then he said, do you want a job? And I said, yes. And he said, you have a job. And that was it. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I think it was based off of my work that I had done. And he probably had done his due diligence on who mm-hmm. I was. And that just, that was so impactful to me because I was just sitting there and I was a nervous wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, he made me feel so comfortable and just saying, he just said those three words to me, do you want a job? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Four words. <laughs> <laughs> no one was counting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was wow. impactful mm. because it let me know mm-hmm. that my work or my reputation went before me. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have to sit there and try to defend yourself, prove yourself. Absolutely. And how, wow, how powerful, like to not have to defend your character and prove yourself in the space that like this world you have to do so much of. Richard Tierney. I will never forget. Shout out to Richard. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do you feel like you've been able to pay it forward in some ways in that respect with people Mm. that you've worked with or not yet really not yet because there are for some reason a lot of people are still gravitating towards I want to be an FBI agent (laughs) (laughs) so nobody I really haven't really talked to a lot of people and I've gone to career fairs Mm -hmm. and different things like that but still that FBI still has that draw that pull towards them Mm -hmm. you know you'll be on the lookout I'm sure yes Mm -hmm. uh, yes we want to give you, this has been such a good conversation. Good. I could just sit and talk to you all day. Yeah. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to share that you didn't get to? Yes. You're nodding your head. Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. great. Yes. Share yes. away, share away. Yes, yes, okay. I had the awesome opportunity. I belong to a Greek letter sorority, my college sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And I had the unique opportunity to do a service project on Martin Luther King's birthday. I went to the Patachu Foundation, and I cut up vegetables for school children because the Patachu Foundation is now looking at a problem that a lot of us didn't even know existed, the working class hungry. Mm. One in six families are the working class hungry, meaning that there's a two-parent home or one-parent home, and they're going to pay the rent, They're going to make sure there are lights. They're going to make sure there's running water. And they're going to skip the nutritional food that they Mm. put on their table. The working class hungry. It could be your neighbor. It could be your neighbor two doors down the street, across the street, whatever. Mm. So the Patachu Foundation, they put together, it's an awesome documentary on the working class hungry in the state of Indiana. It's rural. It's suburban. It's the city. It made such an impact on me that I'm now looking to see when I will be able to work with them, maybe once a month. Wow. So we're going to go through our sorority. But it had such an impact. And they'd go into two schools, I believe on the east side, 
the schools have to have a criteria. The criteria, they have to have at least 50 to 85% or above of children that are on free or reduced lunches. And so they come in and they provide a breakfast, a lunch, and something to take home. Wow. And they have these packages of food that they give to the children because on the weekends they might only get red pop, orange pop, mm-hmm. and some Cheetos or those Takis that mm-hmm. all the kids love. I love me some Takis. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but really, I yeah. try not to eat them. Yeah. But I do love them. I heard they're good. Yeah. <laughs> so that has my attention mm-hmm. because poverty is such, it's, it's, that, it's on that wheel. And as poverty's in the middle, and then so many issues spun from that poverty. Yeah, the working class hungry. Is that available? Like, can you Google that? Like, is that like, the Patachu Foundation? How do you find that documentary that you mentioned? Let me let me check into okay. that and get back I'm, to you. I'm interested that. in it personally, but then also I'm sure people listening might want to be able to look that up, so we can hopefully maybe drop it in yeah. the show notes. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I am going to say this: it's going to make you feel some kind of way. Yeah. Because like you didn't feel not some know kind of it way, was yeah. happening. I like here. to feel some kind of way sometimes. Uh, it's, it's empowering. It makes, it makes you woke, yeah. as, the, yeah. as, the, as they say. As you they are going to yeah. be woke yeah. because you have to understand there's such a stigma associated with being homeless. Yeah. So I don't want to be homeless. I'm going to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. But there you're sacrificing something else. Excellent. Right? Nutritional right. food. And we know, ladies, that if, I don't, I don't mean to be on my soapbox, but there's some facts that I want to just give out. We know that if you're hungry, you don't learn. If you're hungry, you won't be able to participate in class. You won't be able to read. And so that will put on that will, that pendulum of it'll be poverty in the community and all the other things that stem from poverty. So that's so important. I love that that's another initiative totally unrelated that you've been able to get behind recently through your sorority. I love that. What else? Is there anything else lingering that you want to give a shout out to or tell us, share? Tell us and the listeners about what you have going on. Yes. The project that you I'm have. trying to hint at this, oh, darling. Tell what us. Else? I am. I am. I am co-hosting Her Voice with Marta Bell, who is a former IMPD police officer. And so her voice is to give a voice to the voiceless mm-hmm. women especially women of color, because we know there are some issues that are going on in our communities that we want to bring light. So the purpose of her voice is not only just to shed light, but to educate, empower, and not just women, and not just things that are going on in our community. We want to highlight some positive endeavors, because there are a lot of great women out there that are doing some fantastic things, you know, for their community, for their home, for corporations. So we want to, we want to get behind all that, and we want our audience to know what we're doing. So, we so will thank also you. link a way to get in touch with you there because it's a, yes. a live radio show. Is that what yes. it is? Yeah. Agape for you. Agape for you. Okay. Yes. We'll and definitely drop that for yeah. the listeners so they can listen in. Yeah. Also. And we're just having, right now, it's just one time a month, a okay. Saturday in the mornings. I think it's like 11 a.m. Okay. So yeah. we've done two shows so okay. far. We did February. We just finished. We did January and February. January introduced us, and then February was Heart Healthy Month. It was okay. also Valentine's Day Month. And it was also Black History Month. So we talked about some unique things. So we haven't had a chance to have guests yet. So I might be sitting here among potential (laughs) guests. I'm getting my plug in, too. That's what we're here for. Good. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. 
Thank you for joining us. You're so dear to us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we just learn from you immensely every time we're together. And I appreciate that you're still connected with allies and the work that we're doing. Yes. Absolutely. So, yes. Yes. I plan to be at the gala. Yay! Oh, good. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and plug that. We got a gala coming up. Yeah, I feel like you should. April twenty first. Mm-hmm. I don't know the other details. Details, details to come. <laughs> More to come. But I always have a good time when I come. Good. good. We'll see you there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Darlene. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Everyday Advocate podcast. We hope you left inspired to make a difference in your community wherever you are today. Be sure to check out our show notes for any resources we mentioned today. We release a new episode every Friday, so subscribe wherever you're listening from so you don't miss out. Feel free to give us a rating so we can help reach more people too. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email us at everydayadvocate at allies-inc.org and you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore everyday underscore advocate.